Welcome to the Peterborough Paediatrics Podcast. I'm Dr Peter Rose and today I'm going to talk about the foetal circulation. Understanding the foetal circulation is important for a few obvious reasons. I mean, it's essential to understand if you're going to have a complete understanding of congenital heart disease. It's also important to understand the transition from the foetal circulation to the postnatal circulation to fully understand newborn life support. But it also comes into play in a few other areas. Uh, One that I can think of is uh, neonatal jaundice. Um, It's also important uh, to understand the placement of umbilical venous and arterial catheters. In order to explore the foetal circulation, I'm going to ask you to imagine that you are one of baby's red blood cells. Now, I've always found it most useful to explore circulations starting from where oxygenation occurs. And in the case of a foetus, oxygenation occurs at the placenta. So you, as baby's red blood cell, Uh, will find yourself inside a capillary which is itself inside one of the chorionic villi which is sticking into a pool of mum's blood within the placenta. Now at this point it's important to understand that there's a chemical difference between your haemoglobin and the haemoglobin in mum's red blood cells. That difference is that you contain fetal haemoglobin HBF. Now Fetal haemoglobin has a higher affinity for oxygen at the expense of being less stable. So this means that if you place mum's red blood cell next to you, you will always win the fight for oxygen. The downside is that your lifespan is about half that of mum's red blood cell. But that doesn't really matter because the waste that's generated uh, gets sent into the placenta and mum's metabolism gets rid of that for you. So now you are fully oxygenated and ready to return to baby. So where do you go? Well, you flow through the capillary into a venule, which eventually leads you to the umbilical vein. And the umbilical vein goes all the way down the umbilical cord towards the baby, through the baby's umbilicus, and then up towards the baby's liver. Eventually, you'll reach a crossroads where you can either turn right or turn left. Now, if you turn left, that will be taking the scenic route, uh, as it will take you through the hepatic portal circulation, through a dense network of capillaries all the way through the liver which will eventually lead you to the inferior vena cava. However, you're more likely to follow your friends and turn right, which will take you through the first of three shunts within the fetal circulation, the ductus venosus. This takes you from the umbilical vein directly into the inferior vena cava. So you choose to turn right and you now find yourself in the inferior vena cava. 
Now here, you're going to mix with deoxygenated blood returning from the baby's body. So in total, um, the blood here is less oxygenated than it was inside the umbilical vein. So you now proceed up the inferior vena cava uh, and eventually will find yourself in the baby's right atrium within the heart. At the same time, blood returning from the head and the arms of baby down the superior vena cava also reaches the right atrium and mixes together, uh, making the blood in the right atrium even less oxygenated. So if you're able to measure the oxygen saturations in the right atrium, there'd be somewhere between 65 and 70%. So where can you go from here? Well, some of you will go the normal way. You'll go down from the right atrium to the right ventricle uh, and up through the pulmonary artery into the lungs. Now, not many of uh, your fellow red blood cells will take this route because the resistance to flow is very high. And now we'll need to take a moment to consider why. At the moment, the baby is inside the uterus, floating in a pool of amniotic fluid. So the lungs aren't full of air, they're full of liquid. Now, there's a phenomenon that you need to be aware of, and that phenomenon is hypoxic pulmonary vasoconstriction. So what does that mean? Well, that means that if there is a low concentration of oxygen inside the alveolus, the arteriole that leads to the capillary network that immediately surrounds that alveolus constricts, reducing the flow of blood. Now, if you think carefully about it, that makes a great deal of sense. If you have an alveolus with no oxygen, there's really very little point in sending blood to it because no gas exchange will take place. Uh, it's far more efficient to send blood to an alveolus that does contain oxygen. Now, if you consider baby's lungs, none of the lungs have any air or oxygen inside of them. So millions of these arterioles are constricted as far as they can go. So the resistance to flow is enormous. As a consequence, the pressure in the right side of the heart is very, very high. So now let's consider where we are. So we are in the right atrium. Now some of our friends have gone through the right ventricle and around the lungs, but most of us are still here in the right atrium. So where can we go from here? Well, we can actually uh, go directly across the atrial septum and into the left atrium. Uh, to understand this, we have to consider a little bit of embryology. The atrial septum begins to form uh, around about the fourth or fifth week of uh, fetal development. At this stage, uh, there is a single common atrium. Uh, a membrane begins to form from the roof of the atrium, making its way down to the floor of the atrium. This is known as septum primum, Latin for first septum, first wall. This gradually grows from the roof of the atrium down to the floor. 
the gap between the bottom of this uh, membrane and the floor of the atrium is called ostium primum, the first hole. Over time, this gradually gets sealed up. But before that happens, cells further up towards the middle of this membrane uh, begin to break down to form ostium secundum, the second hole. Around about the same time, another membrane forms just to the right of septum primum. This one is called septum secundum, the second septum or the second wall. In a similar way, this grows from the roof of the atrium to the floor of the atrium, but not as one complete flat wall. It's more of a C shape, um, which just covers ostium secundum and leaves a little oval shaped gap, which is called foramen ovale, the oval hole. This is the second of the three shunts within the fetal circulation. So now blood has a path that it can follow from the right atrium to the left atrium. It goes through foramen ovale into the gap between septum secundum and septum primum and through ostium secundum into the left atrium. Because the pressure in the right side of the heart is so high, most of the blood is forced through foramen ovale into the left atrium. And from there, it goes through the left ventricle and is pumped out of the aorta and around the baby's body. But what about that blood that found its way into the lungs through the right ventricle and the pulmonary artery? Well, some of that does get forced through the high pressure circulation in the lungs and returns back to the left atrium through the pulmonary veins. But most of it actually goes through the third of the three shunts within the fetal circulation, the ductus arteriosus, which is between the pulmonary trunk and the aorta, uh, just where the aortic arch uh, becomes the descending aorta. So now you can see that blood from the right side of the heart will eventually find its way to the left side of the heart either through foramen ovale or ductus arteriosus and from there it can travel around the baby's body delivering oxygen to the tissues that need it. So now you've done your job you need to get more oxygen. So how do you find your way back to the placenta? Well, the way back to the placenta is down the aorta, through the internal iliac arteries, which each have a branch, the left and right umbilical arteries. These travel back up towards the umbilicus and out through the umbilical cord where they coil around the umbilical vein all the way back to the placenta and that through there you will find yourself back where you started to begin the process all over again. So a brief recap. Oxygenated blood returns to the baby from the placenta through the umbilical vein, bypasses the liver by traveling through ductus venosus, 
finds its way to the right side of the heart, where it will find its way through the, to the left side of the heart, either through foramen ovale or through ductus arteriosus, goes around the body and returns to the placenta through the umbilical arteries to be reoxygenated. At this point, it's worth remembering that the oxygen saturations of the blood circulating through the baby are quite low, anywhere between 65 and 70%. Now, the baby adapts to this in much the same way as you or I would by making many more red blood cells. Now, as you remember, the fetal haemoglobin uh, means that the red blood cell lifespan is about half that that it is for mum. These two fats combined uh, lead the baby vulnerable to jaundice in the newborn period, but we'll discuss that in another episode. So now you understand the circulation of a fetus, what changes when the baby's born? Well, the first change is that the baby is disconnected from the placenta. Uh, it's usually clumped and cut when the baby is delivered. At the same time, the baby's exposed to the air for the first time, which is a much colder environment than inside the womb. The Wharton's jelly, which surrounds the umbilical vessels, uh, contracts in the presence of cold and begins to clamp around the two arteries in the vein. As a consequence, there's no longer any blood flowing through the umbilical vein. In turn, that means that there's no blood flowing through ductus venosus, which then begins to close and gradually closes over the first few hours of the baby's life. We hope that the baby soon after will begin to cry and breathe this has the effect of displacing all of that fluid from the lungs and replacing it with air. The presence of air in the lungs reverses the hypoxic pulmonary vasoconstriction, opening all those many millions of arterioles up for the first time. This means that the resistance to flow in the lungs disappears and the pressure in the right side of the heart drops considerably. This means that far less blood will choose to push its way through foramen ovale into the left atrium, with the majority now flowing into the right ventricle, being pumped through the pulmonary arteries to the lungs. Gradually, the pressure on the left side becomes higher than that on the left, uh, meaning that the pressure from the blood in the left atrium pushes against septum primum, pushing it against septum secundum, eventually fully closing off foramen ovale. Um, foramen ovale closes in the first few minutes after the baby is delivered. This leaves us with ductus arteriosus. Now, very little blood will flow from the pulmonary artery into the aorta uh, because the pressure in the lungs is now so much lower. The presence of such a high amount of oxygen in the blood now triggers the uh, ductus arteriosus to begin to contract and that limits flow from the aorta into the pulmonary artery. At the same time, 
prostaglandins that were being secreted by the placenta are no longer flooding the baby's circulation. And this is a second trigger to speed up the closure of ductus arteriosus. But oxygen has by far the stronger effect. Ductus arteriosus uh, begins to close in the first few hours of the baby's life, but might not completely close until up to three to five days after the baby is born. Uh, this fact is important to understand the onset of some congenital heart problems. Uh, the blood that now is oxygenated in the lungs, returns to the left atrium through the pulmonary veins, and is pumped through the circulation, through the left ventricle and the aorta around the body, where it then returns through the inferior and superior vena cavae and into the right atrium, and around and around we go. I hope that was a useful overview of the fetal circulation and its changes after birth. Uh, it's quite a nice topic uh, because it touches on a little bit of haematology, uh, a little bit of embryology as well. Once again, I hope that was useful and I hope that you'll join us again for our next episode. Thanks for listening.